Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church or on our YouTube channel. You can always find video content of all our messages as well as services for your preschool and elementary school kids. In the beginning, the Garden of Eden was God's intent, created out of His love towards us, the goodness of a good God. God created Adam and put him in a world where he would thrive. So why doesn't our world look like the original garden? Where did it go wrong? Join us for this six-week series as we explore the root of everything, good and bad. It can all be found in the garden. All right, everybody, welcome to Grace Life. Hey, before we go any further, I want to take a moment and welcome our first-time guests, whether they are in the room or online. Would everybody join me? Showing a warm welcome to these guys. We just want to say we hope you're experiencing the presence of God. There's nothing more important to us when we gather for worship than that we know He is real and that we've been in His midst. Uh, Before we get into the message, I want to point out that this is the last week to register for our uh, youth students uh, 6th through 12th grade Gen Ignite weekend that is coming up. Uh, Here's the deal. Our youth ministry right now, worship service, I believe if we were to stack them all up, would be the second largest worship service of the entire week here at Grace Life. So we have a lot of youth that are coming out and really engaged in what God is doing. And so they probably already know, and I hope they've already told their parents about Gen Ignite weekend coming up, Uh, and this is your last chance to register. But I want to take a moment right now and just talk to maybe some of you that are online, you haven't been coming out uh, on Wednesday nights, and and maybe you don't want to miss out on this. Look, we really believe in the next generation. Uh, We don't want our students here at Grace Life to be a part of that number that goes off, they leave the home, and they also leave their faith. So uh, look, if you aren't registered yet, I want to encourage you to come out for that. Uh, You know, usually our Gen Ignite weekend, at least pre-COVID, was a whole weekend. Man, you got, as parents, you got a whole weekend off, and uh, that might have been one of the great things about it. I'm just kidding. Uh, But this year, we're having to kind of tailor that a bit. They do come back home at night, and so trying to make sure it's a safe environment in light of uh, the COVID situation and pandemic in the world. So it still is a good thing for your students. All right, everybody, as we get into the message, I'm excited. I hope you're having fun with this. I'm really enjoying this series, and uh, today we're on part three of this series that we're calling In the Garden. And it's all about going back to the very beginning, the Garden of Eden, where God put Adam and Eve in creation. Because if we go back to the beginning, we're going to discover two very important things. Number one is what was meant to be, as well as what should not be. And we're living those backwards most of the time. So my hope for this series is that we can switch those and live more of what was meant to be for us and get more of what should not be out of our lives. And so speaking of what should not be, uh, I had a very interesting week this week. I I felt like I had more encounters with one very specific thing that should not be uh, than I normally do. And, And that is running into when we believe things to be true, but but they aren't. Uh, I had a conversation with a man this week who honestly is having a very hard time in life. I'll just be honest. Uh, As he told me his story, uh, the circumstances are difficult. He's going through a very tough time, and that is absolutely true. 
But as I was talking to him and he was sharing with me some of the things that he was thinking and the way that he was feeling, and then it just kept going and realizing, man, there's a, a lot happening in his thinking. And I just really felt from God, there's an actual battle taking place in his mind. And the truth is, there's probably a battle taking place in all of our minds all the time. I don't mean to make light of that. So I'd say that this battle was really, really intense. And I felt like I needed to tell him that. But I didn't know how that would go over. You know, if I just walk up to you and say, well, I feel like there's a real battle going on in your head, you may not really like hearing that. But I just felt I, I, I couldn't not tell him what I think is really going on. And so I said, hey, uh, look, I just think I really, I, I've got something to say, and I'm not sure how you receive it, but I really think you're being tormented by the devil. And I kind of waited for what kind of response I was going to get from that. And he just said, I know. And he got, got real excited, like, I'm not alone. Somebody sees this. And, well, the good news, we, we managed to talk a little bit beyond that. And, and uh, we've got a plan to kind of work through some of that. But we, we all know what it's like. And we all have those struggles sometimes where uh, our thoughts and our feelings, uh, you know, we're struggling with what we think and feel about maybe ourselves or, or our life or other people and uh, sometimes even God. And so we have to wonder, like, why is that? Where do those things come from, and are they true? And so the third thing we're looking at that we discover in the garden is uh, the devil speaks. That's what we find in the garden, the devil speaks. I was going to go ahead and tell you, I wanted to, to do this week. I, I tried to get the creative team to let me walk out with a true live like really big snake wrapped around me just cause, you know, but see, I see the heads nodding. So apparently my team was right because they said you will literally have people like walk out of the room at the moment. So no snake. And uh, anyway, so here we are though. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me as we look at the devil speaks in the garden. And apparently ever since we're in Genesis chapter three, it'll be on the screen uh, right here in front of you. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Look, the devil speaks, plain and simple. He said, the serpent said, the devil speaks. And that might be an incredibly obvious point to you, but I wanna make sure we don't miss this because the devil speaks to humans. He speaks to humanity. He talks to God's creation and he has a point to it, which we'll get to in a moment. So the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Next thing we discover is that when the devil speaks, we listen. She's having a conversation with the devil. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Look, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Sadly, when the devil spoke, she listened. And even worse, she believed what he said. And so the result is when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And so what we're talking about today is making sure we understand something. Since the devil speaks and since, well, we do tend to listen, I think it's very important for us to know what he's talking about. And the first thing we know, need to know about the devil is that he is a liar. 
The devil is a liar. Do not ever think anything else. Matter of fact, this is what Jesus said about him. I don't know about you. I think we can trust Jesus, right? Everybody with me on that one? He says, look, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. I'm just gonna stop right there and say, I really hope Jesus never shows up in a dream and says that to me. Come on, anybody ever hope you don't have like, I'm glad Jesus said that to somebody else. But anyway, he goes on, he says, look, talking about the devil, look, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. His very being comes out of him for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. And so I wanna show you the things that he tends to lie about when he comes and tries to talk to us because he wants us to believe something. So he lies about God. We saw this in verse five. It says, look, for God knows that when you eat of it and your eyes will be opened, you'll, you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. What he's saying is, well, you know, God's actually just deceiving you. God told you not to eat of it because he knows you'll be better. You'll be a better person. You'll be greater. Matter of fact, you might even be as great as him. That's actually, God is just trying to keep you from that. He's lying about God's character, God's nature, I just want to tell you, if you are just joining us for this series, this was part one. This was the whole core of part one, is understanding that there was a good God revealing his good intent for mankind in the garden. And I'm not going to go back and re-preach that right now, but it might be the most important message of the series, simply because if the devil can get us to believe God is not a good God, everything else just begins to fall apart very, very quickly. But he lies about God. That's where he starts. The second thing he lies about is he lies about God's word. Back up to verse four, it says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, except that that's exactly what God said would happen. If we were to go back to chapter two, we'd find God said, look, don't eat of this tree because in the day that you eat of this tree, you will die. And what the devil is saying is, look, God's word isn't true. God's word isn't trustworthy. Actually, God's word are just some rules to try and keep you down keep you from enjoying life. I mean, come on, life should be fun. You should be able to pick any fruit that you want. Today, we actually still see the same thing being said. We hear people saying, you know, well, the Bible is just a bunch of rules taking the fun out of life. That's why I don't really want to go to church or, or talk about God. You know, it's just all those rules. Third thing the Bible lies about is the effects of sin. Go back to verse 4. Same verse, actually, said, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Yes, you will. And they did. They died spiritually and they died physically. And ever since then, we are born spiritually dead and we also die physically. The good news is that doesn't have to be permanent. Jesus can fix both of those. That's another part of the series. But I'll tell you the truth, the saddest part of my job is when people believe what the devil says about the effects of sin, and then they end up coming to talk to me realizing that the devil lied, and things did not turn out exactly like he told them they would. I can't tell you the number of times that I've had uh, one spouse or the other. Uh, it's, it's really not uh, more men than women. It's, it's honestly 50-50 in my experience that one of them will just one day say, I'm out because I've met my soulmate walking away from the person they're married to, the kids, because that they're feeling something for somebody else. And a year or two or three later, 
they're back having the same conversation. They're back in the same place. You see, they discover actually the devil said, all your problems can go away if you just go on an eternal date with this person that you've been sneaking away with. But then when you begin life, you find out the devil lied. One very true story, it actually happened, uh, a family that, that uh, I knew for a really long time, and uh, they, they stopped going to church at, at one point. And uh, they actually stayed away from church for over 10 years of their lives. And when they did come back to church, they said, look, we just have to be honest. Uh, one of the main reasons that we stayed away from church for the last 10 years is because, well, we didn't want to give God our money. They said, look, we, we, we know, they knew that, that God has a place in their finances. If God has a place anywhere in your life, he has a place everywhere in your life, right? And so what happens is they got a very lucrative job, and when they did the math on giving God the first 10%, it was just a number they couldn't deal with. Well, at the end of that 10 years and almost $2 million of income, the reason they were back in church is to get help with bankruptcy, repossession, and divorce. They lost everything. Sad truth. The devil said, oh, no, 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 you can keep that and you will have so much more. The devil lies about the effects of sin. The devil also lies about what you see. I mean, think about this. Adam and Eve were blessed. They, they had this amazing world, this beautiful garden, and they were the first owners. Look, has anybody here ever moved into a house after somebody really weird? And you think, why did they paint the dining room that color. Like, seriously, why would anyone do that? And so you've got to repaint. You've got to take down old wallpaper. They didn't have to. They had the most perfect world. The first owners, the only owners, everything was exactly as it should be. They could eat of every tree but one. I mean, an entire garden, and we don't know the square footage or the square mileage. We should maybe think of it that way. God had given them this great land, and they could eat of everything but one tree. And you know what the devil wanted them to see? He came to them in verse one. He says, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He's trying to get them to think they don't even have that. They, they don't have anything. They've got a world where God is taking everything away from them, withholding everything. But when she corrects them, sort of, and we'll leave that point for another day, uh, he changes it to say, well, okay, okay, you can eat of every tree but that one but you really deserve that one. You're not really blessed if you don't have that one. Come on, that one? <laughs> That's where the money really is. The fruit on that tree is better than all the trees God's given you. You're not blessed. He wants us to see something about our lives other than what we see. And so my wife and I have made a point to be very intentional in our lives uh, just because of, of where we've both come from, especially my wife, she grew up under a communist dictator. And so we, we've made it a point to very specifically just count our blessings. Anybody ever had a grandma or somebody just say like, count your blessings, you know? Uh, I had those grandparents. They would just say, count your blessings. And, and I think sometimes that's our problem. We don't count our blessings. <clears throat> I think at that moment, if Eve had one, two, three, 4,095, 4,096, 4, like, no, I'm pretty good, devil. You know, I mean, I, th I think I'm pretty blessed. By the way, you see that waterfall? Come on, you see, I mean, count your blessings. Yeah, so we try to make it a point. I mean, just I, we just sit around and say, you know what? Our lives are good. When I look at my life, I could complain. I mean, I've, I've got things that, that in a magic world or if I won the lottery, I might do something about. <clears throat> but that's what the devil wants you to think about, the one or two things you'd change if you could. 
You know, I mean, like, I'd love to be six foot tall, but that's not what God wanted for me, right? I mean, we've all got those things. I, I, I just wish, you know, or if I just made that much more than we could do, I'd be happy if I just made that much more and then we could do it. We've all got that just one thing. The problem is when you see just that one thing, then you start to see just that one thing and then you start to see just that one thing. And next thing you know, you don't see any of the good anymore. And so we try to make it a point just to sit around and say, man, our lives are good. Our lives are good. We got four kids. You know what that means? We got four sets of problems. Come on, anybody got parents? Come on, yeah. You know, and we could think about it that way because the truth is raising children does come with problems. It might be a medical problem or it might be a stage they're going through or it might be just the fact that they don't like to clean their room. It could be, you could look at that or you can say, look at how blessed we are. Look at these four kids. Everything in our life, we can either see what God has blessed us with or we can see what the devil wants us to see. The devil's gonna lie about you. He's going to lie about you. Look, he's going to attack you. He's going to attack your, your sense of worth and, and your, your very being. I was having a conversation with someone this week who struggles with insecurity, and, and they asked me, do you have, have any advice about struggling with insecurity? And I said, actually, I got a lot of advice because that's the biggest struggle for most of my early life was being so insecure. I said, so the truth is I don't, I don't have, you know, all day to tell you everything I learned for decades of my life, but I'll tell you one thing if you'll just start with this. You're believing what the devil says about you instead of what God says about you, and that's the root of what you're struggling with. So if you'll just start to tell the devil, uh-uh, that's not what God says about me, that's the beginning of turning that around. The devil will accuse you. He will constantly tell you, like, you're, you're not worthy, God couldn't love you, God couldn't forgive you, you're not good enough. I talked with a man this week who, uh, right after worship service, stood, stood in the lobby and was telling me, he says, man, I really hope I go to heaven. I said, well, wait a minute, because I'm thinking in my head, like, uh, you know, I just led people in a prayer to get saved, to talk to Jesus, you know, about like three and a half minutes ago, and you were in the room. And uh, that was what I'm thinking. And so I said, well, you know, hey, you were in there, right? And have you ever made Jesus your king? He said, oh, absolutely. Jesus, my Lord and Savior, I know I'm a Christian, but, you know, I, I just have a lot of bad thoughts, and I know I'm not a good person. And so I had to stop and say, well, wait a minute. No, no, no. If Jesus is your Savior, if Jesus died on the cross for you, See, the devil, no matter the truth we know theologically, the devil will try to convince you that somehow you are so bad that you blow the truth away, that you are so bad that the Bible can't possibly be true. All those other people, they can be saved and going to heaven, but you better be worried. The devil just lies about you. And the devil also loves to lie about others. When the devil lies about others, he judges and he criticizes and he's always pointing fingers and saying, they really shouldn't have said that. I can't believe they'd talk like I can't believe they would do that to you. I can't believe they would treat you that way. You deserve so much better. You, you, you know, I mean, he, he's just always telling us how bad everybody else is. I, their words are wrong. Their actions are wrong. Their beliefs are wrong. I mean, just everybody, he's always, he's always pointing fingers. Now, here's the deal. All of that is, well, that's because the devil's a liar. And that's okay. Because you can't do anything about that. You can't do anything about who he is, but I, I want, if anybody is daydreaming and thinking about something else, pay attention because this is the point for us today. You can't do anything about what he says, but you can do a whole lot about what you how you respond to what he says and what you do with that. Turns out, yes, he's a liar, but he's more than a liar. 
Here's what the Bible tells us. It says, the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. If anybody's ever wondered, wait a minute, Genesis 3 never calls him the devil. Well, there you go. That great ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world. Not only is the devil a liar, but the devil is a deceiver. Now look, we, we already said that when the devil speaks, he lies. But if any of you were, you know, normal teenagers who tried to get away with things and uh, kind of trick your parents about some things, you know what creates the best lies? You know how to get away with a good lie? You put enough truth in it that makes it believable, right? Anybody ever got caught by your parents, you know, sneaking out for a party and they said, uh, you know, where are you going? Or worse, you get caught sneaking in. Where were you, you know? And you try to say something really stupid, like, well, I was waxing your car, Father. You know, I mean, no, no, no. You got to include enough truth. Nobody waxes a car when you don't even make your own bed, especially like at 2 a.m. You, you, you've got to, like, bring in some truth there. Like, well, I heard a really strange noise outside, because you made that strange noise. And so I went outside to check it out, and uh, then the front door was locked behind me. You know, you at least have to put enough truth in it because the goal for a deceiver is to make them believe a greater lie in the end. It's okay if there's a little bit of something that makes sense along the way. And this is exactly what he did in the garden. You may not know it. Let's go back to the story. We've read this multiple times so far in this series in verse four and five. It says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Okay, that one's an outright lie. But he's trying to get her to believe that outright lie by then telling her something that's very true. So for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. You wanna know how we know that's true? Because after everything goes down and God speaks to each of them, at the end, in chapter 3, verse 22, this is what God says. Well, then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. The devil told the truth about that part. But here's the problem with it. He didn't really explain how this would work. And just in case anybody's wondering, this doesn't mean that at this moment mankind has become God's equal. Nor does it mean he's become God. What it means is that he has become like God in knowing good and evil. Let me give you an analogy that'll help with you, will help us with understanding this. It is kind of as if God is the physician and Adam and Eve are the patients. And so God had an awareness as a physician of health and sickness. And now Adam and Eve also have an awareness of health and sickness. The difference is they know it from the position of I was healthy and now I'm sick. And so what, the position that they know it from isn't a good one because they know what should have been and they know what should not be. And that is where they are living at this moment. And that knowledge is trouble. But we'll come back to that also later in the series. So at this point, though, you've got to think about as uh, everything was going wrong, when, when Eve was challenged with, what'd you do? She had to defend herself. And this was her excuse. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so look, you need to know something. The serpent did deceive her. She was tricked, but this didn't get her off the hook. And you wanna know why? Because it takes two to tango. 
Come on, that's just funny. We thought about calling the whole message two to tango. Here's the truth. It takes two to tango. I actually took a dance class in college, and that also is a true story for the record. I was a music major, and I needed a one-credit-hour PE class, and that one did not require me having to, like, change out, get dressed. and It was just quicker. It was the quickest class that I could take, and so I did take a dance class, and there's something that I learned about the tango. It actually takes two. That's not just a saying that somebody made up. You can't tango by yourself. It takes two people to tango. Now you say, why am I telling you that? Because here's something we need, really important we need to understand. In order for the enemy to deceive, we have to believe the lie. It takes two to tango. See, here's what deception actually is. Deception is the devil lies, the enemy lies. But then we agree with his lie. Just the fact that he lies is not the problem so much. The problem is then we get deceived because he lies and we agree it takes two to tango. That's why Eve didn't get off the hook by saying the devil made me do it. And by the way, if you've ever tried that, you've probably figured out saying the devil made you do it didn't keep you from getting grounded from your mother either. And if it didn't fool your mother, it won't fool God. It takes two to tango. Let me tell you what, I can promise you the devil will lie about God. The question is, will we believe it and say God isn't good? Will we maybe even walk away from our faith? The truth is, I, I bet every one of us has friends. I, I've told you about one of my friends in this series who is agnostic, leaning towards atheist, and I would say it is because he has believed some things that are not true that the devil has said about God. I can promise you that the devil will say, will lie about God's word. He will tell you and say that it's outdated. He will say that that's just an old cultural thing and that's not what God expects from us anymore. He'll say that science has proven it wrong. He will tell you all kinds of things about the word of God. And the question is, will we believe him and then reject the Bible as our highest authority? Or, Look, I can promise you that the devil will lie about the effects of sin. But will we believe it and end up suffering something that God never intended for us to experience? I'm going to share with you a quote that, man, I just, I wish I were the famous one who said this. It's actually from a, a pastor and author recently gone to heaven. His name is Ravi Zacharias. It says that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Be very careful when the devil says, oh, it's okay. You surely will not get caught. You surely will not have to pay. You surely can do whatever you want. I can promise you that the devil will lie about what you see. The question is, will we look around and will we see the blessings in our lives and go, God is good, God is good. Will we see the mercies and the grace of God on our lives. Well, we just constantly think about, you know, if God gave me today what I deserved, wow, man, God, you are so merciful to me. You are so good to me. I mean, are we gonna see that? Or are we gonna believe what the devil says, that we're not blessed? And truth be told, we deserve so much better than what we've been given. I can promise you the devil will lie about you. The question is, will you believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image as his personal workmanship created to do amazing things on this earth before he ever put you here? 
Will you believe that you are loved and that you are forgiven? Or will you agree that God can never love somebody like you and could never use somebody like you or do anything good through you? I can promise you the devil will lie about others, anyone around you. The question is, will we love and will we forgive and will we see the best in others just like God sees? Will we understand that if somebody has disappointed you or hurt you, that it only proves how much we all need a Savior? Or will we be offended and divide and judge and criticize and point fingers? Here's the truth. <laughs> the devil is a liar and a deceiver. Started in the garden. And we've seen it every day since. He has never stopped lying. He's never stopped deceiving. And when Paul was working shortly after the time of Jesus and trying to spread the gospel, he ran into this problem. And he was very concerned for some of the early Christians because of all of the lies and the things that were being spread. And here's what he wrote. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, that your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The truth is that's why the Bible actually warns us that you need to be sober-minded and watchful because your adversary, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, and if we begin to believe, our lives become devoured because our souls become devoured. We reach a point where it even starts to have physiological effects on our body because our soul is so messed up with the lies that we've believed and all of the deception. That phrase, be sober-minded, it would be nice if you could just simplify it to don't drink alcohol. Sorry, that's not what it means. It's talking about having a mind that understands truth and is aware of the reality and can discern correctly what is happening around it. Be sober-minded. Don't be misled by the chaos. Don't be misled by the lies. Don't look and see the wrong thing, but have an accurate understanding of what you see and the way you think and the way you process. That's what sober-minded, part of what sober-minded means for us. I went fishing once in my life. I've, I've only fished once in my life. Sorry for those of you that love fishing. I was on a backpacking trip through the mountains of Colorado, and, well, that's just what we did for part of the day as we fished in this beautiful lake with mountains. It was just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous day. And so I, I didn't know how to fish. I'd never fished before, and a friend of mine was teaching me how to do this and taught me how to hold the rod. I mean, I, like I was a total novice. I didn't know anything, and and so he, he put this little lure and some bait on there and showed me how to do it. And, and then I went and cast it into the lake and, and then I, I caught a fish. And then uh, I, I put some more bait on and I, I caught another fish. And I, everybody else there at best caught like one for the day. I caught seven fish. I'd never fished before was actually getting a little like monotonous. I was like, is this really all there is to it? <laughs> Whoop! Whoop! You know, I mean, I was, 
It's got to be more exciting. Let's try hunting where you're like, you have to sneak around or something. I mean, this is kind of like boring. They just keep eating it. I don't know. And he said it's because, man, they just love the bait. They can't help themselves. We ate every one of them for dinner that night. And the moral of the story, don't take the bait. The devil's going to lie. We can't stop that. It's what he's been doing from the beginning. But you can do is whether or not you take the bait. I think there were some fish that didn't take the bait and remained behind. <laughs> Maybe they're happily still alive today in that lake. But those seven, they took the bait. They looked. It looked good. And they just went for it. And look. Right now, some of you would say, okay, Jimmy, I appreciate that. Next time I see a snake hanging from a tree talking to me, I will walk the other way. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, I surely hope you do not have snakes hanging from trees talking to you in your backyard. Because if you do, you are way past pruning season. Just so you all know, y'all need to do a little bit better job of gardening. So what I'd like to close with is, is giving you a little bit of some of the most practical pointers I can for how to know when you're hearing the voice of the enemy compared to when you're hearing the voice of God. It starts like this. When the devil talks, it's a lie. But when God speaks, it's true. Now that might be a little too simple, but it's not if I just remind you there is one ultimate source of truth. And if you're familiar with what's in here, then that makes it a little easier. If you're not, then maybe begin to read just as God would lead, and, and that'll help you be familiar. But once you're, you're at least familiar with the types of things that God says in here, well, you'll begin to discover real quickly if what you just heard is a truth or a lie. Because if you hear this, oh, you couldn't be, you're just not worth anything. You don't have to read much of this to realize God loves you. He loves his creation. He believes the most in you. Matter of fact, he loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you. If you begin to hear things like, you know, you should really hold a grudge against those people. You don't have to read a whole lot before you get the message from the beginning to the end that we're to be people to forgive because we've been forgiven. And I could go on all day, but it really is a very simple metric. If it wouldn't be in here, it's not true. Because there is enough in here to tell us about what God would think about others, what God would think about us, what God would say about what we've been given in the world around us, what God says about what God says, what God says about himself. This is our source of truth. And I do want to encourage you to begin to familiarize yourself with this if, if you are new to it, because, well, the truth is, without this, then you're, you're not really sure if it's the devil talking or if it's God. But if we, if we become familiar, then it's very easy to tell a lie from the truth. Next question you can ask yourself, is it accusing or is it convicting? See, when the devil talks, it's always accusing. The devil says things like, you need, you need to look just how bad you are. 
Now, granted, we're not perfect. And, and so that's why sometimes we believe the devil's accusations. But God speaks to our imperfections in a different way. God speaks in a way that's convicting. He says, you can be and are better than this. Totally different from look how bad you are. Both of them calls out something that maybe is not quite godly. But God gives us faith and courage and hope. And the devil says, don't even bother. When the devil speaks, it is life-taking. Feels like hopelessness and despair and anxiety. But when God speaks, it is life-giving. It is hope. It is faith. It is rest to our souls. I just want to encourage you to begin to take a meter of how you feel when you think. Of how you feel when you are hearing things, whether it's television or other people talking. Because if you feel rest of your soul and you feel hope and faith, then that was life-giving. If you feel like there's no point in its hopelessness, then that didn't come from God. The voice of the devil speaking through anything. When the devil speaks, it's condemning. Whereas when God speaks, it is redeeming. The devil says things like, you should be ashamed. God's take on that is, you can be forgiven. You can be washed clean. Let's not take time being ashamed. Just come on right over here. We're going to take care of that, and you're going to be my favorite child once again. When the devil speaks, you feel tempted. But when God speaks, you feel fulfilled. The devil says, look, you, you should just take what you want. Take it any way you want. Get the experience that, that you think you should have. Taking what God would say, I want you to have that pleasure just in a different way, maybe at a different time. And it's being fulfilled. You see, when the devil says, wouldn't you like to lie on your taxes or take a little extra money? Unless you look and say, actually, I'm well provided for. I'm fulfilled. It's not to say that God doesn't want to bring increase to you, but in his way at his time. It comes to some of the things that we, we do in the sense of, of moral purity. God created that. That's his idea. He's the one who said, be fruitful and multiply. But the devil's the one that says, why don't you get it your way in your timing? Through your plan. It's not so much what there is to be offered. The truth is God's the one that made this a wonderful, pleasurable world. God's the one that made food taste great and white sand, blue water beaches, amazing. God made the Caribbean, y'all. Come on, I mean, think about it. It's the devil trying to say, you really do need to go and get something the way you want it right now. I want to remind you, we looked at the story of Jesus being tempted by the devil in this series, and the devil took him up, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, look, all of this I can give to you, and their glory it has been given to me. And we, we looked at one reason that Jesus turned it down. But all he was being tempted with was exactly what he was going to get anyway. The difference is if Jesus waited and did it God's way, 
He wasn't going to get the broken kingdoms filled with the sinful lost people inside of them that the devil offered. He was going to get the new heavens and the new earth perfectly restored with all of God's glorified people inside. When you, when you say, actually, I'm good and I'll be better if God wants to do something, but I am not going to fall into this temptation, I'm fulfilled with the way my life is. I might be more fulfilled in another day with another thing that God might want to do, but I am very fulfilled where I am right now. Jesus said, I'm good. I, just, I could just imagine him thinking, talking to the devil, <laughs> you stupid fool. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I just think he might have thought that about the devil. I mean, because I mean, the guy tried to be God and got cast down from heaven. If there's a fool, it's him. But, you know, I'm going to get all this. I think it's just silly. You are offering it to me. I don't think you understand the mission. I was sent here to get this not tempted because I'm fulfilled in God's plan. It's coming, buddy. It's going to be mine anyway. Look, I want to leave you with a very, very simple thought. You can't control what the devil says, but you can absolutely control how you respond. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you. In your goodness, you have given us the ability to see truth from lies. You've given us an ultimate source of truth. You've given us your spirit for discernment. And we know that you want our best. In creating us, you gave us your best in this, the beautiful world that you made before it was broken. In our lives, the way they were before we broke them. And we know that you're going to restore every bit of that. Today we say we're fulfilled in your plan. We are. And we thank you, God, for your goodness. God, my prayer for everyone in the room, online, wherever they are, my prayer is that we will break the line between the devil lied and we are deceived. That we'll understand that there is something to be done at that moment. That just because the devil talks doesn't mean that we have to listen and agree. And I pray that we will become people who start to call out the lies and reject them outright. That we will even make our feelings say, no, no, you're, you're, we're, we're not going to entertain my pity right now. I, I'm not going to entertain the brokenness that I'm experiencing. I'm going to believe what is true when we reject the lies. And I'm fulfilled in what I know my God is doing in my life. God, I pray that that is who we'll be as people. And if everybody would just stay in a place of prayer, I want to talk to the, those of you that maybe are still facing, honestly, the greatest deception of all. And that is the idea that you do not need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Truth is, a lot of times we, we say, well, that might be true, I'll deal with it later. That's another deception. The devil has said, well, you don't need to worry about that. There's another day coming. It's because he intends to fill you with enough lies that hopefully you'll put it off every day until it's one day too late. But the truth is that God is perfectly holy and we are not. And someday, each of us will have to stand before that God. And we will need something to make up for that unholiness in us.
And well, the truth is there's nothing we have to offer. We can never erase the unholiness in our lives on our own. It doesn't matter how much good we do, it simply is never going to erase what's already been done. But Jesus, Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross so that his death would take the place of our death. And his resurrection would give us the same power for eternal life. The devil wants you to believe it's not true. The devil wants you to believe you don't need it. The devil wants you to believe you can wait. Those are all lies. I want to encourage you right now to break. And do not allow that to be deception. Do not go one more moment believing you can wait. You don't need it or it's not true. So if you've never made Jesus your king, and now in truth, you want to make a change. I want to help you do that wherever you are, whether you're online, at home, driving in a car, or in this room right now. Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. My simple prayer here today is that you will give me a life of great meaning and fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody, let's celebrate with those people, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.